Welcome back in to the Bad Beat Podcast. It's that time again, episode 13. And after a brief hiatus, we're proud to be back with you. This is your main man, JC, as always, here with my co-host, Kip. Kip, how are we doing today? Doing good. I think it's Kip, episode 14. Kip, give me more. 14. How are we doing today? Sorry, well, I think bad. it's episode 14. 14? Yeah. It's been a couple weeks. The fans have requested another one. <laughs> We've been out doing life. 13, so 14. We got Frank back. We got Frank back by popular demand. God, he's Frank, amazing. He is amazing. Just to preview for our listeners, we got Logan Lamarandier, who is a Detroit sports writer for Detroit Sports Nation, coming on. Breaking down the draft, we got a lot of Lions fans, NFC North fans listening, so they'll be very interested in that. We talk a little Bengals, we talk draft in general, so that's great. And then, of course, Frank, the Mets just lost on Sunday, 23-5. to I don't know if you saw that. They had a position player pitch the eighth inning. He gave up three home runs, so we figured, why not bring on Frank the Tank let him do our Gundy rant session and see where it goes. And boy, was it explosive. Yeah, it's hard to miss the Mets news nowadays because I follow Frank on Twitter. I have more insight about what's going on with the Mets than I do with the Tigers. It's pretty ridiculous, but uh, the man is a legend. It's great. Yeah, he's a legend. We we got him early on the Bad Beat podcast. We're proud to have him back. And we're we're just loving having him along for the ride. Absolutely. Uh, it's a pretty good interview. He had a little trouble with the dial-in, but excited to share that interview with everyone as well. Yeah. So we're not going to mess with any riffraff this week. We, we think we got two great interviews. So let's just get right to them. As always, the Bad Beat Podcast. And these interviews are sponsored by our friends at Travelocity. Wise travelers follow Travelocity for great deals and especially travel inspiration. Follow Travelocity on Twitter at Travelocity and online at Travelocity.com. Don't wait. Book now. Book today. Book a getaway. There he is. Hey, how's it going? Frank, how you doing, my man? Oh, these conference IDs. I was hitting the number right, and it kept, like, I don't know, saying different numbers. I was seeing the number twice or something. Sorry about We're trying to figure out a better system. Yeah, we're working on maybe uh, Google Hangout or something like that. So, we're, you know, we'll iron out the (laughs) camera next time, Frankie. Frankie, all right? Oh, I just got a little cold. Moaning, many theologies, I think. Yeah, mine are, mine are cracking, too. I hear you, man. Well, Frank, you've Frank, been working I, too hard, huh? Yeah. Oh, it's been crazy. It's uh, I'm doing the vlog every day. I'm going to try to do a vlog every day. I, so far, I've been good at it doing every day. Frank, your your vlog, your blogs and v v logs v blogs is that what you call them on Bart? It's pronounced vlog. It's like it's, it's video. It's like a video blog, so it's called vlog. Vlog, I like it. Those are amazing. You're taking that site to another level. Oh, thanks. Have Have you been able to keep up on your site as well? It's been looking pretty good. I've been looking at it, but. Well, I have a new project I'm going to be starting very soon. Tell me more. On your web- Another project on your website? Yeah, I'm going to do uh, one of the old 19th century baseball leagues called the American Association. It was a uh, rival of the, Ameri- of the National League. Uh, a couple of teams jumped in the American Association and uh, joined the National League. Uh some you might have heard of, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Brooklyn Dodgers. Oh, yeah. Although they don't really consider a continuation, it was like nationally, like said, oh, we're, these are new teams. Although they were originally an American association, they went to the National League. They had like a, a, a 19th century sort of forerunner World Series 
Although it was, they were labeled more exhibition games because they didn't really want to call a world champion. So they were more like informal and they naturally just dominated these games. Frank, you, you're Sorry. like an encyclopedia of sports, man. Well, that's why I call it the Sports Encyclopedia. I love it. <laughs> it fits perfect, baby. Perfect. Hey, I've got to ask you, did you see that 12-year-old Mets fan go off, Frank, on Twitter? I never knew I had a son. Yeah. But apparently I do. <laughs> oh, man, he's giving you a run for your money on passion and anger. Well, as I said yesterday, I sung that song about on my latest song, uh, Misery. Misery, miserable, misery. Make your life a living hell. Misery, miserable. <laughs> the season goes down the drain. <laughs> Frank, I... I... Oh, that's beautiful, Frank. I got some fun facts for you. I don't know. I'm sure you know this, but since we're talking today's Monday, the podcast will be released tomorrow. Yesterday, the Mets get beat 23-5. to They got a position player that ends up pitching for them. There's so many injuries. David Wright, he'll probably never come back. Match is out. Luga, Duda, Cespedes, and now Noah Syndergaard. Don't forget about Wilma Flores. Don't don't forget about Lucas Duda. Yep, don't. don't. It's basically whole half the roster. So I looked up, Frank. I looked up Ray Ramirez, the Mets trainer. He's been there since 1983. He's been the head trainer since 2004. And I found from he hasn't, well, that's actually a misnomer. He hasn't been with the Mets since '83. He was in the minors. He spent some. I think he spent some time in the Texas organization. Uh, but he's been, he was in the minors. He didn't become uh, he met head athletic trainer until 2004. 2004, yeah. So he's been there over 10 years. Why are the Mets still employing this guy? Uh, I don't know. Uh, did I, maybe he comes cheap. I mean, uh, did, I mean, uh, Doctor Nick has a policy: if he kills you, you don't pay. I mean. Uh, <laughs> Where else can you get a, a, a um, trainer that will uh, work for nine ninety five? I like hey, keep it Hollywood upstairs medical get, college, but you take them where you can get them. Yeah, you got to keep it reasonable so you can keep Bobby Bonilla and Brett Saberhagen on the books, I guess. Huh. Um, I have been studying Terry's. I know you're a big Terry fan, Terry Collins. His press conferences, I swear, I have his lingo down. Frank, I have it down. If he says cramp, it equals a broken bone. If he says something like I'm concerned, it's probably surgery. And if he says a guy is showing progress, it's like the kiss of death. It means they're probably going to uh, be Have you ever seen that? I'm sure you've seen the movie Airplane. Yes. Whenever Terry Collins comes out and talks about injuries, it reminds me of when Leslie Nielsen addresses the, uh, the passengers. and says, everything's fine on the plane. There's just a little turbulence. Everything's fine. Everyone's just got a little sick, but they're feeling better now. The pilot and co-pilot are fine. And you see his nose growing like Pinocchio. That's what it feels Frank, like going on with Terry movie. Collins. Do they end up crashing? You've never seen it. Well, Airplane's the movie where it's a spoof movie. Yeah, i never seen Leslie it. Leslie Nielsen. Oh, not a big movie guy. So did they end up cracking? Frank, it... No, they didn't crash, but it's one of the funniest movies of all time. And there's a scene in there where he's addressing the passengers because all the, uh, the pilots got sick from uh, the, the food poisoning. Uh-huh. So he's addressing the passengers and everything's fine, and you see his nose growing like Pinocchio. <laughs> Haven't seen it. It's gonna, I'm going to check that one out. I apologize. Oh, it's, it's a classic. You've got to see that. It's one of the funniest movies that they've ever made. Oh, Frank, I you, feel like picked, an idiot you now. picked the Mets to win the league before the season started, barring them staying healthy, obviously. Then Ray Ramirez said, Frank, I hate you, and now has about half of their roster down with an injury. I believe the other day you either blogged or tweeted that you think they might go to 100 losses. 
Where are we at now with our mindset in regards to the Mets season? Oh, 100 losses, without a doubt. Frank, <laughs> this is going to be a Frank. total disaster. Frank, off the ledge, off the ledge. 100? It's going to be a, it's a, it, 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 we haven't, this is only uh, May 1st. So, <laughs> I anticipate more injuries. You know, you know what I've always noticed? The Tell players me, who are struggling never get hurt. The players <laughs> who are playing well always get hurt. It's, it's like, uh, it's like a theory for the Mets. If you suck, you don't get hurt. Suck never gets injured. Yeah, Jose Reyes has been pretty healthy, huh? Yep. So is Curtis Granderson. So is Curtis Granderson. You love Jose Reyes. He's now batting uh, 123. I I think he's batting 123. You're going to need a microscope out there. Pretty soon he's going to be playing bingo. Batting average. Oh, 96. Bingo! (laughs) Frank. We set an over-under every night at two and a half on the number of tweets that you're going to call out Jose Reyes for. It's a pretty good number on a daily. Frank, he's, been starting, a he's starting to hit. He's starting to hit, but, but in the field, it's like, uh, he's like Michael Jackson. He wears a glove for no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the analogy there, Frank. Uh is a train wreck, true or false? Well, well, being a rider of New Jersey Transit, I've seen my favorite train wreck, and he's been pretty bad. I don't know if it's rust or what. I, he had a decent game Saturday, so maybe uh, once he gets in the swing, he'll get – we'll see what happens. But he's had some pretty atrocious outings. He's, he's starting to morph into Mondo Benitez to me. Wow. You don't do that to him, Frank. I mean, just think about it. That. Amanda Benitez would have the most gut-wrenching losses. He's like uh, Kali Ma from uh, the uh, Temple of Doom. He reaches inside your heart, grabs your beating heart, and shows it to you and laughs. That's the type of losses that, or, that uh, Armando Benitez used to give you. And it looks like familiar wants to go down that same uh, path. He, I, he has been. There's no question about it. He has been. Frank, if you... Let me ask you this. It, can you say one thing nice about Ray, Ray Ramirez or Terry Collins? Terry Collins seems to be liked by uh, his family. Ray Ramirez. <laughs> I think that's a nope. no on Ray Ramirez. Nope. Ray Ramirez. Oh, no. Hey, we won't. Frank, uh, don't force it if it doesn't feel right, Frank. It doesn't. I can tell. Frank. He's I nice to everybody. Every time he sees everybody, he goes, hi, everybody. And they all go, hi, Ray Ramirez. Hey, I Maybe saw he's that just... on, hey, on your vlog, you asked for heads to roll. Is there anyone in the Mets organization worth keeping in that, you know, the front office or the training staff or anything? The training and medical staff? Oh, no. Or even oh, the front. Oh, I oh, thought you oh, wanted oh. everyone gone. Well, uh, I- I'm about sick of Sandy. I'm about sick of Terry. I'm sick of uh, the pitching coach. I mean, how many pitchers keep getting hurt under work? And, I mean, sometimes, sometimes he's got to take the blame. Kevin Long, everyone swings like they're singing for the fences. I don't want to see him with Glenn Sherlock swinging at third base. Uh, so it's safe to say you want pretty much everyone. Everybody. Uh, and uh, as for the training staff, training medical staff, I think the Mets should fire Ray Ramirez, any strength and conditioning coach, any massage therapist, dentist, Psychiatrist, psychologist, doctor, surgeon. Dentist. I think they should uh, fire the podiatrist. I think they should fire their, their uh, dentist. Or they should even fire their barber. I mean, the barber might only be anything with cutting. Uh, I think they should uh, <laughs> with the CVS they go to to get their vitamins. I think they should fire they're, they're all the people that work at CVS. Do we need anywhere they go get their medical supplies? 
You fire them all. Fire the guy that did ships packages. Fire the guy that cuts the open tape. Fire them. Fire the mailman that delivers in the medical supply. That's how you get some heads to roll. That's how you roll the heads, Frank. That's what I'm talking about. The Mets deserve results, and they're not getting. See, see, Frank. If I was a, if I was, if I had a. If, if somehow I got $10 billion, I'd call the Red like small, and I offered him $3 billion. I'd uh, jack the Mets payroll up to $1 billion, and uh, I'd be the biggest tyrant since short Steinbrenner. I'd fire someone every other day. I, lo- I would love – I'm all in for Frank being an owner of an MLB team. I'm all in for that. The Mets wouldn't suck anymore. I know that much. Frank, let me ask I mean, you this. Syndergaard, before his start on Sunday, which was a disaster, and we all knew he was hurt going into Sunday. <laughs> there, hey, Frank, we appreciate you Cal Ripkinning it again and playing through the pain, baby. You're a champ. But Noah Syndergaard, the MRI, he refused the MRI before the start, and then now he gets it a day later after he gets shelled. Obviously, he was hurt. To me, that's just very uncommon. Did that was that odd to you that he refused the MRI? But also, how can he trust that training staff to give him a proper result on the MRI? It's a catch twenty-two. I think that the Mets training staff being so incompetent and so poorly, just so awful that it creates situations like this. You don't see situations like this on other teams. It's only the Mets things that just happened. And did you see last week? You're assessed this. He couldn't walk in batting practice. Yeah, you're ready to play. Oh, it was just cramps, right? Just cramps, yeah. I'm not sure who put it up. I saw someone else on Boston put it up. I think it might have been Clem. Clem put it up. Said the race system, which is rest, attempt to play, year-long injury. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, Frank, we appreciate you coming on. Um, definitely love what you're doing at Barstool and the vlog, so people should check that out. Uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at New Jersey Tank. Uh, what is the last number there, Frank? 99. 99. 99. 99. Bring some passion. Tank 99 Great follow on Twitter. Um, thanks for coming on, Frank. I'll hey, see Frank, you later. Frank. Talk again. Yeah. All Frank. right, man. See ya. Hey, Frank, before you leave us, I want to give you 30 seconds. He's uh, gone. Just the floor. Frank's gone. Tell here. 30 Dude, seconds. About... Frank. Frank, don't listen. Yeah. There he is. We need it. Give it to us. <laughs> we want you the know, best rent you got. I am convinced seconds. that this, the Mets are such a disaster and have... Such bad luck, especially with injuries. They could get the time machine, that phone booth, that Bill and Ted hat, go through all the ages of sports and kidnap Babe Ruth, Luke Gerrard, Willie Mays, Ted Williams, Sandy Colfax, Walter Johnson, you name it. They could kidnap all of them. They could kidnap Cool Papa Bell, Satchel Page. They could kidnap Johnny Bench. And you know what will happen? They'll all get hurt. It'll be a big disaster and a big letdown and that's lose 90 games. There it is, folks. Frank the Tank. Breaking it You're the down. man, Frank. Frank, we love it. We love you, man. We love it. You're amazing. Thanks for coming on. You're big time now. Frank, how has your month of fame been treating you? Before we let you go real quick. Uh, it's, 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 it's still a little strange to me, but I'm getting used to it now. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun. Hey, well, we appreciate you making time for the little people, man. We appreciate it. Well, thanks, and I'll be, I'll be gladly talk again. Love you, Frank. Love you, Frank. Long live the tank. Talk to you later. All right, Frankie. The Bad Beat Podcast, and these interviews are sponsored by our friends at Travelocity. Wise travelers follow Travelocity for great deals and especially travel inspiration. Follow Travelocity on Twitter at Travelocity.
and online at Travelocity.com. Don't wait. Book now. All right. Today, we would like to welcome into the Bad Beat Podcast for all you NFL Draft fans, Lions beat writer, and you can see him at Detroit Sports Nation, Logan Lamorandier. That's a tongue twister, Logan. I did my best there. How are you doing today? You got it. I'm good, guys. How about yourself? Oh, doing great. Doing great. It was a very interesting draft, so we'll jump right into it. Uh, what's your initial reaction to what the Lions did? Yeah, I think it's it's very lukewarm, I guess you can say. There there were some things about it that were positive, and there were some negatives as well. But I think the biggest part, we played it safe. We didn't really draft anybody that uh, I was kind of on the Reuben Foster train, as most fans were, just because he's such a transcendent talent, as I always call him. He's a guy that you don't see often uh, just sitting around at the 21st pick. But with his red flag, I don't blame Quinn for not going that and doing the safer route with Jared David, who's a great athlete and, you know, is that prototypical middle linebacker and be on the field for all three downs. So I think I like what we did, um, but at the same time, even if you look a little bit further into the, our picks, we I don't see really any true elite playmakers or difference makers down the field. Now, Keith Tabor, he might be the only guy that has that true like ball hawk and playmaker mentality out of all of our picks, but the, the whole combine running a 4-7 on his pro day, that's scary. <laughs> like, there's not many cornerbacks that can succeed in the NFL uh, with that limited athletically. So it's I actually just put – I keep telling people he's my favorite pick and he's my least favorite pick all at the same time just because I he does have a lot of great, great game film out there where he looks like he's going to be a great pick. And then you just don't know with his athletic ability if he's going to be able to translate to the next level. So overall, um, I'm happy. But at the same time, it's just a very blah feeling, I guess, which is not mm-hmm. too enthusiastic. So you gave it a B, I saw, on your column that came mm-hmm. out today. Um, so I, you would have taken Reuben Foster over Davis. What about Roberts? It looked like you liked Kittle over Roberts. Yeah, that, that was interesting because I still gave him an A for taking Roberts or an A-, minus. I want to say, because I really did like Roberts. But, again, it, it goes down to just upside and value, whereas Roberts, okay. I think his ceiling might be a guy like Brandon Pettigrew. And Brandon Pettigrew took – has a bad rep just because he's a first-round draft pick and he never really lived up to the that hype. But he was a decent tight end in his prime, uh, as much as Lions fans might not want to admit it. But if Roberts can put up a Pettigrew-type um, career, I would be very happy with that. Whereas Kittle, just his athletic ability, um, it kind of sets him apart where you could see him being elite down the road. And being only 250 pounds, he's a little lighter for a inline tight end, but uh, you could probably play him all over the field. And he just gives you a little bit more versatility. And Roberts, I think, is your prototypical tight end. So it's just obviously Quinn knows better than I do for what uh, what exactly his plans are for a guy like Roberts or Kittle. Um, obviously, he felt that Roberts was a better fit. So I don't blame him for that. I still gave him an A-, minus, but I think that Kittle has the higher upside of the two, and that's the only reason why I, that was my personal selection. Yeah, definitely that makes sense. I like the the Kaya uh, pick, kind of an interesting one there. I thought they got some late value on that, and it's kind of one of those picks mm-hmm. that hopefully you never have to use them. Uh, but he seems yeah. to me like he'll be a substantial upgrade to the backup quarterback situation. How did you feel about that pick? I actually really liked that pick. And at first when it happened, I was kind of iffy on it. And then I thought it through. And really, I don't know what your guys' take is, but Jake Rudock, you know, he's just shooting to be a serviceable backup. Yeah, like that's his end game. He's never going to be a starter. He doesn't have – or possess the traits you look for in a starting NFL QB. At least Brad Kaya has uh, some ability and, you know, the height and the look of an NFL quarterback where, you know, just before the season started, he was actually in the running to be or projected as a first-round pick. 
So there's obviously right, some love for yeah. Taya there. Yeah, like, and I know he, he fell quite a ways, obviously, in the draft. But if you can develop him a little bit down the road, not only would he be a serviceable backup, but he's also a guy, you look at guys, you know, like Osweiler, Jimmy Garoppolo, that have a lot of value uh, being a backup. And if you can develop them and trade them down the road, he might have the most potential out of any of our late-round picks just due to the fact that we could eventually one day possibly trade him for a second or a first-round pick. So I, I like the pick. It's a you have to look at the long term. It can't be myopic, uh, really, because I don't know if he even beats out Rudak this year. Just because Caldwell seems to be very uh, keen on you know quarterbacks with experience, and that one year difference with Rudak, who's a very cerebral quarterback, might be a little bit more ready at this time than Kaya is. But uh, I, I like it just due to the fact that down the road we might be able to get something out of it, and at the very least he should be a decent backup quarterback, a little bit more um, prototypical than Rudak is. Yeah, I think uh, the one thing everyone can agree on is they're both better than Dan Orlovsky. (laughs) (laughs) That is not difficult. (laughs) Gosh, that guy. Running out of the back Uh, of the end zone and everything, baby. Yeah, I I just don't know how he's in the league for so long. Yeah, I've, I've told this story to Justin, but I interned, and his wife was in the office that I interned at when he ran out of the back <laughs> of the office. And oh, no. the Monday after they came back, there was this one guy who was quite the prankster. Like, in the Monday morning meeting, he showed that video as she walked in, <laughs> and she just started bawling. Like, they were engaged. She was just oh, bawling I, her eyes out. I feel bad for her because on a personal level, yeah, if you think about that, I mean, that's what defined his career. And I'm yeah. sure, you know, she she probably heard a lot, and, you know, Dan himself couldn't feel too good about it. I'm sure he got beat up for it pretty good with all of his teammates and, you know, on the not top ten plays. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's not something you she want to be remembered from, by. <laughs> she went from being such a proud backup quarterback's fiancé to being, like, just so just upset. It was – I felt terrible yeah. for her. But speaking of quarterbacks – what was Go that, ahead. Nine years ago? Nine years ago, yeah, that was happened. a while ago. It gets talked about. Like, it's just something that's always going to be with him. It's never going to leave. Yeah. And look at me. I'm the asshole that's bringing it back up. So, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, speaking of quarterbacks, I love seeing the Bears pick, personally. I thought it was awesome. I was giving my buddy a hard time saying they should get Watson at whatever they were at and thought that would be a bad mm-hmm. pick, and then they give up all these picks and go for Mitchell. What Do you know anything we don't know? Have you heard anything in your inner circle? What happened? No, I mean, it was one of those things where even John is a little bit of a surprise to John Fox, and he's the head coach, and there's there's even rumors that he was just livid, very upset with feeling like he was out of the loop with that trade-up. And uh, listening to some Chicago fans that, they're, no one's really happy. You know, they, it's a quarterback that you, you look at his game tape. He only had, I think, 13 games that he started. And he just doesn't look like that number one quarterback or that uh, quarterback you're going to build your team around. So in order for them to trade up, which is one spot to get him, I love it as a Lions fan uh, because I will gladly face Mr. Bisky, uh <laughs> twice a year for the next at least three years because that's what they have to give him, uh, or Glennon this year. But um, really, it's it's a head-scratcher, and there's not too many people in the NFL that have defended the Bears saying it was the right move. So good for the Bears. Yeah, and not to mention with their secondary being so bad, just passing on Jamal Adams there didn't – like just stand pat, and it didn't make a lot of sense. To me, well, either. Yeah. They were in a tough spot, though, because it's not like you see safeties ever go that high. Um, and you see some corners every once in a while jump up that high. But I know usually at the top three picks, you're almost uh, forced to take, you know, either the best tackle, which there wasn't any true offensive tackles in this year's draft, uh, a D-end, which Garrett went number one. And then after that, the D-ends, you know, had some questions but I still think would have been a better overall pick than Trubisky will turn out to be. Um, yeah. And then you have and, your left. Yeah. 
their problem, they waited so long. I mean, I think there were 11 corners or corners and safeties off the board until the Bears finally jumped in there and got one. So I, I don't see them getting much relief in the secondary. Other than the Bears, was there any team you look at and you just think they really flopped, they really bombed their draft? Was there is there anybody else you can point to? Mm-hmm. The Bears are definitely the one, just because I I pay closer attention to them too. Uh, being from the Lions' perspective, I, I keep a close eye on the Bears. Um, you know, the Giants are probably another team that I really were probably a close second, uh, just because they had such big offensive line issues, and they draft you know Evan Ingram first round over in Joku, which not a lot of people really understood that, but he's more of a receiver than he is a tight end. So he's basically another Eric Ebron, and that's a bit of a luxury pick. And then they pick up Davis Webb in round three. And I know, yeah, Eli Manning, he's he's getting up there in age, but he does. If you look at quarterbacks nowadays, they're going into early 40s. And Manning might not be the best, but in the round three to pick up, you're, you're still getting impact players in round three. And to get, get a guy like Davis Webb, uh, and maybe if they have some future plans, much like Brad Kaya, where they want to trade him down the road, or they truly do want to develop him into the successor of uh, Eli Manning, then I understand. But they just they needed offensive line, and they waited till round six to do it. And then the same with the linebacker. They had, they needed linebacker. I don't even think they drafted a linebacker. So those are their top two needs, and they didn't address them whatsoever. Yeah, it it uh it was definitely a mess out there. Let me. I'm a Bengals fan, so I'm going to preface this. Uh, you probably know. You probably know where I'm going with this. Um, yeah. Once the second round hit, and the Bengals pick came up, I told all of my buddies, it, "It's it's going to be mixing, guaranteed. Just that's how the Bengals do things. That's who they're going to take. But have no fear. We have Pac-Man Jones and." and Burfitt on the team to mentor him, so I'm sure things will go well there. So we won't have any issues. He's in good hands. He's in good hands. He's in very good hands, absolutely. I mean, Don't what's you your wear. take? Yeah, exactly. If he can make it through Cincy, he can make it through anything. What's your take on the mixing thing? I mean, football-wise, they probably got a great value on him. Um, I yep. hate to say it, the Lions probably could have used a guy like him on the football oh, field. I don't know about outside of it. Uh, but what do you think about that pick there? What's your take on him? And I really just think the Bengals don't care about the PR. Yeah. Yeah. And the Bengals have been known, you know, they've always kind of uh, taken chances on those type of players and they've never shied away from anyone with a criminal history. So, or just uh, players who are a little bit, uh, you know, definitely not the highest of character players in general. So it wasn't surprising when they took Joe Mixon. I know they, you guys were looking for a running back, but I just felt it was, you know, a little high for them to take a running back, especially with the running backs you have. You know, where Cincinnati is sitting with three solid, really solid running backs. Detroit, on the other hand, a lot of Lions fans wanted Joe Mixon despite his off-the-field issues, just because our number one running back right now is Amir Abdullah, and he's struggled to stay healthy. And then you have a guy like Theo Riddick behind him, who is more of just a pass catcher than anything. And so the Lions fans really were pushing for a running back, and a lot of them wanted Joe Mixon. And they were able to kind of, you know, push the fact that he knocked out a woman uh, under the rug and just call it good. Like, they just wanted a good football player. But I don't think that was going to fly personally with the Lions brass and especially their female-owned owner. And uh, it just didn't seem like a fit for the Lions. So, it takes a special team to take on Mixon. The Bengals, I wouldn't say have the best supporting crew around him. You know, you'd hope that he'd go to a team that uh, really would set him straight. I don't know if the Bengals will do that. He seems like a changed guy, but, you know, he's just probably putting on airs every time he talks to the media. So who knows what he truly is like. It, it's up to the Bengals, uh, you know, coaching staff and kind of the GM to make sure that they did their homework on him and feel like he is a changed man. So it's it's something where I, well, I'm glad I don't have to deal with it, really. Yeah. And the Bengals haven't won a playoff game since 91. Marvin 
miraculously, Marvin Lewis has been there for over 10 years and has never won a playoff game. So I think at this yep. point he's he's running on borrowed time. and He's feeling the pressure. Hell, I, nothing surprises me with them anymore. <laughs> well, I think especially you guys got John Ross too, which um, should be a dynamic playmaker. But all of a sudden your offense is very – it was formidable last year, but now it's just scary. Um, you wonder how the, the running back by committee will shake out. Um, there's only so many touches to go around. So uh, adding a guy like Joe Mixon, how much value does that actually bring? Because what is it just going to relegate um, you know, Jeremy Hill to the bench essentially? Um, you just wonder if there's enough carries to go around with those three good of backs. Let, let me get your opinion on this real quick, then we'll move on. Um, I need an unbiased opinion because I hate Andy Dalton. So I need oh to boy, know here he goes. what a third party thinks. I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's a great player. He's a great Pro Bowl reserve. But prime time, he's terrible. Playoff games, he's terrible. I just need either talk me off the ledge or tell me I'm right. I, Logan, I I just need to know. Well, I get going on Andy, and I can't even form my sentences. <laughs> I'll say this. You're a lot better off than a lot of other teams out there. And you have to understand what he is. He's a middle-of-the-road quarterback that um, – can, well, he, I guess he does it in the playoffs, but for the most part, he can uh, be a, that game manager that you look for and put it on the defense and distribute the ball to his playmakers, let him make plays. But I don't think he's ever going to be a quarterback that's going to win you games. So if you're looking for someone like that, you can always keep an eye out. And I deal with this with Lions fans too, through Matthew Stafford, where there's a few that are considered haters and. I'm fine with always looking for another quarterback. If one falls on your doorstep, go for it. You know, the quarterbacks have so much value that if there's one available, you should probably take it. If it's a, a surefire, can't-miss QB. And now those haven't come out in a long time in the draft. So having a guy like Andy Dalton, do you have any other options? Really? I don't know if you do. Yeah, I always tell Justin, I hear you. Uh, I always tell them that if they played 16 games at 1 p.m. on regional TV in the playoffs, they'd be a Super Bowl contender. <laughs> Boom. That's when, that's when Andy Dalton shines, baby. Hey, man. Yep. Yep. Hey, I got a question for you about the other team in Ohio, Cleveland. Yeah. Personally, I hate Notre Dame, hate Deshaun Kaiser. So him going to the Browns, for me, like it couldn't have happened to a better guy. The curse is on. His career is probably over. What did you think of that pick? <laughs> yeah, it was oh, that's that's pretty good. And I one of my favorite jokes is every time I see someone on, you know, any social media, any player that was selected by the Browns, there's a little tagline so that says uh, like condolences out to so and so's family. <laughs> like, like I know it's like real peppered. Over. <laughs> I'm a Michigan fan. I felt yeah. terrible for the guy, and then at uh, least it happened to. Uh, our boy Deshaun as well. Yeah. No, so I, I think they're, they are turning things around. They're getting in the right direction where they just pretty much uh, de- have depleted their whole team for draft picks. So they're going to be a very young team. They're rebuilding. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser, I'm, I'm not a big Notre Dame guy myself, and Kaiser's he's, he's an interesting guy. Um, you know, going where he did, I I think the Browns actually did all right, considering that they didn't reach for a quarterback like most teams do. They got three really good players ahead of Kaiser, and for all we know, Kaiser could be the best out of this class. This class was a very weak class. Um, Kaiser looks to be the most prototypical quarterback out of all the quarterbacks. You know, 6'4", 230 pounds, decently strong arm. Um you know, he, he looks the part. So if, if he can develop a little bit uh, and just take lumps and bruises with, I don't know if they're going to put him in right away. I, I doubt they would. But he might have some playmakers around him that he can grow with. So I, I wish know, him all the bumps and yeah. bruises possible. Um, that'd be great. <laughs> Love seeing him get hit. Uh, he claims to be the combination of Tom Brady and Cam Newton. So I thought that was quite <laughs> quite the stretch. Um, yeah. One more question about the Browns. They go Miles Garrett, then Jabril Peppers. 
So they have secondary and uh, defensive line. But they could have gotten Reuben Foster. They could have literally gotten mm-hmm. one player for each level, but they went with the tight end from Miami. Would you have gone Foster there? I thought mm-hmm. they should have. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big faster, uh, Foster supporter uh, on the field. I think he's a top three talent in the draft. But, again, there's so many off-field concerns. We just can't really predict what his longevity in the league is going to be like, um, which is Especially scary. if you're and, Cleveland. You know, all, yeah, yeah, it's just not yeah. a safe pick, and they're just trying to get good players that are going to be around. I don't know if Foster was necessarily going to be a, a good pick for them in that type of you know, atmosphere. So I, I think no doubt Foster is the better player than Najoku, but um, to give them a solid tight end of Najoku's caliber, I can't blame them. And, yeah, it's it's tough to say, really, but um, I can't Yeah, that last name is a lot Foster. like yours. That last name's like <laughs> yours, man. I didn't even want to say it. I was just like the tight end from Miami. <laughs> yeah, I, that was only five letters, though. Mine's 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're both tough. It's, it did it, it, it it trip me up there and, a little bit. And, and, and Jay. Like, mm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, it's the Browns, tough. they added some playmakers. They did. And actually, Larry uh, Ogunjobi, their defensive tackle they drafted in round three, was another guy I really liked. So. I liked going through the, the the draft picks that the Browns had. I remember really liking almost all of their picks um, or just thinking that they had a lot of potential. Uh, let me ask you this. Swinging back to the Lions, does it concern you? I really thought they had to go running back at some point. Does it concern you they didn't pick a running back and do you think that that's a need that they see that they don't need to address for next year? What's your take on that? I think their, their plan was to get a running back probably at some point. Uh, they have a lot of confidence uh, in Amir Abdullah, and I do as well. So I, I'm not – I didn't think we needed to draft one uh, in the second round, but uh, a guy I really like was Samaje Pirine out of Oklahoma, yeah. who's Mixon's counterpart. He kind of really sure. fit, I feel like, what the Lions could have used. Uh, the Lions have a couple of smaller running backs, and then they just needed someone to, to share that early down work with Amir Abdullah, kind of take some of the wear and tear off him, because Amir Abdullah is a small 205-pound back. So uh, I felt like there was a need, but every time the Lions picked, I didn't really – there wasn't a running back that really stood out to me where it felt like um, the value met where they were picking at. So – Looking at where they when they picked Kenny Galladay uh, at the receiver that they picked in the third round, and P Ryan was still there, I actually probably would have been fine with picking P Ryan, considering it's almost the fourth round. So I am a little bit disappointed. We do have Zach Zenner and Dwayne Washington, bigger running backs that can fill that early down bigger back role, but they both have their limitations, and I just don't see them. Uh, really doing a ton. You, you kind of saw what they did last year in Washington, despite being, you know, six six one and two hundred thirty pounds and running a four four. He just he's a converted receiver and he runs like it. He just not he doesn't run like a big back. So his vision was horrible. So yeah, I think running back still somewhat of a need. Um, unfortunately, I think we have a couple guys that can do well, but there needs to be one more running back. So. I don't know if uh, they have any plans, or Bob Quinn or anybody has plans to try to go out and bring in a free running back like a LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, I personally am not a huge fan of his just at this stage in his career. But I, I don't know what they do going forward because there's not a lot of guys on the open market. Logan, I've got to ask you this. Uh, a little bit of looking into the crystal ball, but my grandpa is 79, diehard Lions fan. We bought him a shirt for Christmas that says, just win one before I die. And I joke with him a lot. And I tell him he better eat his vitamins or be taking his vitamins. It might be a minute. It's clearly not going to happen next year. Crystal ball me. No. How many years is Grandpa Bob going to have to be taking vitamins? <laughs> it could be a long time. I mean, Bob Quinn, he's building through the draft, which is good. And he's... Last year, that was a solid draft to build off, and hopefully the same thing with this year's picks. 
but there's still so many holes and you just don't have any true playmakers. I feel like, you know, out, Stafford is a very solid quarterback, but he isn't the Tom Brady who can just take a bunch of no names and take them to win a Super Bowl. So I think we're still a few players away from being in, even in contention. And as much as I hate to admit it truly deep down, I feel like right now we're still, you know, a mediocre team where we're sitting right around 500, um, you know, and a nine win season should be considered a win. And you don't want to put the, the expectations at only nine wins. It should be, you know, at least 12 get in the playoff division win, but it's tough to really say that right now looking at their roster. So there's going to have to be some major uh, younger players that really step up and go to the next level if they want to actually um, take that next step and be Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, absolutely. I think Grandpa Bob's going to have to take his uh, vitamins for as long as Aaron Rodgers is in the NFC North, that's for sure, but uh, it's going to be a minute. Yeah, yeah, and if you could take, you know, a contract extension coming up to Matthew Stafford, I I think he has, you know, probably a good seven years left, to tell you the truth, because he has a strong enough arm where even if he loses some arm strength, he's still going to be able to play in the NFL, and hopefully he just keeps getting more savvy, you know, becoming that veteran guy who can beat defenses uh, with his knowledge and just, not having to force passes into receivers that have no separation all the time. He's going to be able to be a little bit more cerebral with his game. Let me ask you this, Logan. Are you a Caldwell guy? Where are you at with him? (laughs) Uh, I feel like we could do better. Uh, I don't think he's a great coach, but the players, he definitely gets the respect from the players, and obviously they don't quit on him uh, considering – all eight wins that we had that were come from behind last year. Uh, were you surprised always... Quinn brought him back the year before? A little that was bit, surprising but to me. yeah, yeah. I think just the way Quinn or uh, Caldwell ended the season, it really put him in a good position to say, you know, really make a good pitch to Quinn, saying that he's got the team in the right direction. They fixed some things, you know, have a new offensive coordinator that you know Stafford's doing really well with. Just give him one more shot. And I think it was the ultimatum was made that he better make the playoffs or he's gone. And he made the playoffs, even though it wasn't pretty. And that's why he's back again this year. So I I don't think Quinn or uh, Caldwell is a great coach, but he gets the job done. And a lot of people don't really like his his approach when it comes to the media and being very uh, non-emotional and not really giving too much insight as far as injuries go. He rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And so I think he gets an unfair dislike. Being going to the playoffs two out of three years, I don't. That hasn't happened since the '50s with the Lions or something like that. It's been a really long time. So if as long as he keeps going to the playoffs, I think he deserves another chance. But I don't think yeah. it's him that's getting these that, these teams to the playoffs. I I agree with that. And two quick comments here. One, Caldwell has the best poker face I've ever seen. I swear his emotions, I don't know what has to happen for him to get a little fired up on the sidelines. Maybe it's winning the Super Bowl, but it's about the same emotions 99.9% of the time on the sidelines there. I loved it when uh, Darius Slay got that, knocked that fumble out in the Philadelphia Eagles games and you see Jim Caldwell, like the happiest I've ever seen him jump on the sideline. And he's like in the middle of the pile or the scrum that's going after the fumble. And he's signaling, you know, our ball that way. And he trips over a guy. But, yeah, it, it makes my day, really, when I see a fired-up Caldwell. Yeah, it's so rare. I mean, over under 2.5 Caldwell fist pumps next year. What are you thinking? 2.5. That's probably going to reach. I'm going to go over because considering wow. we had eight wins, eight and a half wins or eight wins last year that were come from behind, and we got quite a few fist pumps this year. So um, I think the Lions aren't that team yet where they're going to be blowing teams out of the water. So there's going to be a lot of close ones. I think I think we'll get more than two and a half. I'll, I'll go I'll go three three fist bumps. I like it. So Kip, make sure Grandpa Bob knows we're on the over for 
Jim Caldwell fist bumps next year, fist pumps. And also, I just got to throw this in before we leave. True or false, Jim Bob Cooter, best football name ever. Oh, hands down. Like, there is nothing. Go ahead and try to name one. Jim Bob Cooter is the best. You put him in any name bracket. He's number one, number one seed, and he's just going to mow through everybody. Absolutely. Love it. That's got to count for something. Logan, (laughs) we appreciate you joining us. I'm going to let you leave us with the Twitter handle because I don't want to butcher it. we got too much respect for you to do that. Check him out on Twitter. Oh. He's also on Detroit Sports Nation. He writes some great stuff, tweets some great stuff. So can you leave us with the Twitter handle to do it proper justice? Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, it's uh, just L, my last name, which is pronounced Lamarandir, spelled L-A-M-O-R-A-N-D-I-E-R. And then, yeah, you can also find my content at Detroit Sports Nation. Uh, if you're going to look for them on Twitter, I suggest you follow them as well. Uh, they're everything Detroit sports. So um, that's at, at D-E-T Sports Nation. So, yeah, give us both a follow. And I try my best to interact as much as I can with everybody. And, you know, that's why I do it. I love, love talking Lions anytime. So uh, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. We'll have to do it again when the season gets close here. For sure. I look forward to it. Thanks, Logan. Appreciate it. Well, we want to thank both Frank the Tank Fleming as well as our guy Logan for coming on today. Uh, we appreciated their time and look forward to talking to both of them again soon. But for now, it's closing time. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time. Turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time. One last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.